Welcome to the Ontario AgCast. The Ontario AgCast can be heard on the Farm and Rural Ag Network, where you can find all of the best ag podcasts in one place. Our guest today on the Ontario AgCast is Kevin Snyder with Snyder Heritage Farms. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hello. Kevin, tell us what you do on your farm. Uh, We're sort of a, a mixed family farm here. I raise turkeys. We do some cash cropping. I do a bunch of maple syrup in the springtime. All seasons, we seem to find something to do to keep us fairly busy. Are you the second generation on the farm? How many generations have there been before you? I'm actually the fifth generation on this on this land. Uh, my ancestors actually cleared the land, so we're still working the original homestead. So we've got two farms in our operation that we're working currently. And whereabouts are you? Oh, just a couple kilometers uh, north of Bloomingdale. Give us a reference to a bit of a larger city. If you were to draw a triangle between Guelph, Kitchener, and Waterloo, we're sort of right in the middle of those three major centers. Right, so pretty good ag country, pretty good dirt right around there. Yeah, I, I think I've got some good ground here, and I can grow some pretty good crops. And so the name Snyder Heritage Farms, your family really does have some heritage in this area. Oh, yes. People uh, think it's funny when they drive down the road and they see Snyder pretty well in every mailbox, and <laughs> yeah, I'm related to most of those people as well. I, w- I would imagine you are. Is there more than one way to spell Snyder? Uh, there's a couple different spellings. Uh, we, we go with the S-N-Y. Um, there's an S-N-I, and then there's the S-C-H. There's three different spellings. And, of course, Snyder, that's a good German name, right? Yeah, we've been around for a while. Okay, so this time of year, you're just finishing up with one of your busy seasons. Yeah, we're into our syrup harvest this year. Um, got started about two weeks earlier than normal. But again, we've learned over the last couple of years, you sort of go of what the weather is doing and not what the calendar says. Things have progressed fairly well so far this year. We've had uh, some cold spells and, and that. And uh, it's turning into, it looks like it's pretty well going to be an average year. Um, this weather forecast, I don't think we're going to get too many more days before uh, the season ends here. So when you look back on it, has this been a good year for maple syrup? Well, anytime you can uh, get an average yield, you're sort of pleased. Well, we all want a bumper crop, but on the other hand, we don't want a failure either. So I'm considering uh, if we produce an average season, we actually just surpassed our our leaders we produced last year, uh, yesterday in our production. So we're ahead of last year a little bit. So I'm quite pleased. Okay, so let's just do a couple of quick facts about maple syrup production. Maple syrup is obviously thought of as a Canadian thing. Why is maple syrup done in the early spring? We'll start with the first part. Is it's a Canadian thing or a North American thing. What's unique about it is the climate that's involved around the sugaring season is to get the, the sap out of the trees, out of the maple trees. The trees do grow in other parts of the world, but they don't have the unique climate, which allows us to to get the the sap out of the trees. Um, You need that plus five during the day and uh, a minus five during the night, that freezing thaw cycle, which enables you to get the sap out of the tree. When it warms up during the day, the sap comes from the roots and goes up to the top of the tree, and then when it freezes at night, that sap goes back down to the roots. Do I have that right? Yeah, it Simple version, and you get a lot more technical according to air pressure and a lot of other things, but the, the simple, majority of the time, freezing thawing does most of the work for us, yes. Right. That's very sciencey of us to have that discussion. 
years ago, collection of of sap would have been done mostly with buckets and I picture a horse-drawn sleigh. That's not how you do it anymore. No, we've we've changed about nine years ago. We installed a pipeline system into our operation. All the years growing up, we used to use buckets and a trailer and a tractor. At that time, we were about 1,200 taps. Yeah, it was a lot of work gathering the sap. But then as things progressed, and I've seen what other producers are doing with the pipeline and increased yields and easier workload, you're able to go into different parts of the forest where, say, it was wet, wet ground that you couldn't get with a sleigh or a, a tractor. Um, so we expanded our operation, and we're running about 3,200 tops now at this time. This pipeline system that you're talking about, just describe that to me. From the When the sap comes out of the tree... How does it get to the sugar shack? It's all connected through pipeline system. The small blue lines, they're five sixteenths in diameter. Typically, you'll go run between six and eight trees uh, with that small line, and then you'll carry over into a larger line, which we call the main line. And they can be anywhere from three quarters to an inch and a quarter in diameter. That will go down to a centralized gathering tank or storage tank in the forest. And that's, in our operation, that's where it's held. Our system's all under vacuum as well, which makes, that's the other part with the pipeline system that makes it so productive is we actually put the system under vacuum and uh, we can actually draw some extra sap out of the trees. And with that system, typically 25 to 30% more sap or more yield, a better yield. Then once it's in the forest, in the storage tank, uh, we have a tractor and a trailer, which we haul it to our sugar house with, and that's where we process our sap. Okay, so these lines don't stay up all year. Take us back to when your preparation starts for the season. How long ago were you out in the bush, and what were the jobs that you were doing? Um, in our operation, our, our lines actually stay out all year round. We found we don't have a whole lot of damage with wildlife, we sort of, we, at the end of the season, the lines are cleaned on as high as the trees as we get so the deer and any other wildlife can walk underneath it. We started in January, that first thaw. Uh, at that time, we went through and just did a little bit of maintenance, uh, removed some trees that needed to be removed, uh, any damage where there's lim- limbs had fallen on the lines, and just prepping for the spring season so we're ready to go. Uh, I know a couple of years ago we got caught and a lot of snow and then we did, we weren't able to get some of our maintenance on our lines done. So a lot of what you do is woodlot management then? Yeah, that, that's the other big part of the um, uh, sugar bush operation is, is woodlot management. It's the same as anything else. Uh, if you look after the forest, uh, you get better yields and stuff. Right, and are sugar maple trees healthy are we seeing climate change have any impact on on sugar maples not at this particular time our woodlot most woodlots that i've been through the sugar maples seem to be fairly healthy it's like a lot of things a good uh, producer or operator will manage his woodlot and remove the poor trees or the sick ones and then what's remaining is is better quality and they grow healthier okay so if you start out with all of those trees that are tapped, 3,200, is that what you yeah. said? How much sap would you get? How much sap would you get from one tree? We, you're going to get somewhere between 40 and 60 liters of sap per tap hole quite often. That's sort of the, the normal number that goes around, again, depending on the year. 
on that amount too. And then how much, by the time you boil that down and make that into the good sticky sweet syrup, how much will you get? Uh, it's a 40 to 1 ratio. So most producers, or most people that produce maple syrup, their goal is to produce one liter of maple syrup per tap. So that would be equivalent of getting 40 liters of sap out of that uh, tap hole on that tree. So that's just sort of the normal average. So you're doing more than just selling a couple of gallons of maple syrup from the end of your lane. You're selling this at a commercial level. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple uh, wholesale or health food stores and a couple different outlets that are handling my syrup. Again, Ontario only produces about 40% of the syrup we consume here. Um, so it's an easy sell to customers to, to buy local syrup because you're usually not very far, far away from the source where the syrup's been produced. Right. A lot of the syrup that's sold in Canada is produced in Quebec. Yes, it is. And Quebec has a quota system for maple syrup. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's like a supply management um, system. There's advantages to both uh, systems. Us being on the far side, we can just sort of sit and observe to see what Quebec's doing, and then we can sort of follow suit. Okay, so Quebec has established this supply management system for their maple syrup producers, but here in Ontario, that's not the case, and and in the U.S., that wouldn't be the case either. No, and again, because Quebec produces so much, I think they're... I'm trying to remember the number off my top of my head. Is, is it 70% of the world's maple syrup? I think I saw 70 um, to 75% quoted somewhere, yep. Again, it's supply and demand. If you produce way more, if you produce it below cost, well, then it's not good for anybody. So they've come along and implemented a, a supply management system and sort of regulate the number of trees that the, a producer can tap, and they vary depending on supply. They Sometimes they can increase or decrease those numbers, what they feel is necessary. Well, this is interesting, Kevin. i got to tell you, the last, the last couple of weeks on this podcast, we can't seem to get away from supply management discussions in one form or another. It, it's an ongoing thing. When I was doing some research on the Internet and looking it up, and I typed maple syrup, I get Quebec maple syrup cartel, which, of course, is something that's being thrown around fairly freely these days, the idea that, that supply management is some kind of a cartel. All these farmers are getting rich, Kevin. Uh, they're just trying to make a, a living, right? So, And that's the, that was the whole idea behind supply management, right? Yeah, if I was a consumer and I saw that headline, these billionaire dairy farmer cartels. Back to the marketing, when you sell your product to the stores, so there would be a benefit to you to selling organic maple syrup. Yeah, it's, it's surprising. The one store I was in, they were actually selling organic Quebec syrup at the time. And then the manager happened to be talking to me one time and, and said he's getting comments that people couldn't believe the flavor in, in my maple syrup compared to the Quebec organic syrup. And I said, well, I said the organic might have, it might be a portion of it. But I said, I think the biggest flavor or the taste thing is that where these trees are growing. Uh, we have some of the best soil in Waterloo Region. I compare it to vineyards that grow wine, and every region that the flavor and taste of the wine is a little different. Is It's due because of the soil, soil type. And so that's why I feel that it gives our syrup an advantage over some other places in the province because of the flavor or the type of soil we have. So syrup is not syrup is not syrup. You can tell the difference based on region and things like that. 
Oh, yes. And driving around the province and talking to different producers and tasting different syrups. Yeah, it's just like wine. Every different location has its unique flavor. Well, I'll have to think about that next time. I'm just pouring Aunt Jemima fake maple oh, syrup on don't my Don't say that word. <laughs> I would never do that. Kevin, do you consider your farm and where you're located, you're surrounded by a, a fair urban population, right? Yeah, it's, it has its advantages. Yeah, I've got a, a pretty close market. Do you consider your farm part of the agritourism movement? I understand it. Um, we're dabbling in it a little bit. Coming up shortly here, we've, we're participating. This is our second year. We're participating in an event called Maple Weekend. It's something new in Ontario. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, that's the part that I'm going to consider my agritourism that I'm doing here on my farm. Okay, so Maple Weekend is something that would be in conjunction with a bunch of other maple syrup festivals that are going on at the same time? It's not really in conjunction with festivals. Um, its own, it's its own individual event. It's promoted by the Ontario Maple Syrup Producers of Ontario. It's the idea to, to drive the consumer to the the farm and buy local syrup from the producers there. This is actually our third year in Ontario. We've got, I think it's a little over 60 producers across Ontario that are taking part on this event the first weekend in April, and this year it happens to be the first and the second. The idea is to drive the consumer to the farm gate and build that producer-consumer relationship. Absolutely, which can only benefit producers of your ag products. The Ontario Maple Syrup Producers Association, was that the name you used? Yeah, or our short form, we call it OMSPOT. Is there a board of directors? How does that organization function? Yeah, there's there's 11 districts in Ontario. Um, I'm a director from Waterloo, Wellington. I sit on that and try to help promote um, local maple syrup or Ontario maple syrup. We've sort of got a marketing campaign that we started a couple years ago. It's called Sweet Ontario, or Pure Maple Syrup. And whenever you see that label or that saying, you know that you're buying uh, Pure Ontario maple syrup. So we're just trying to promote how good a syrup we have here and get people to buy Ontario syrup. Is imported maple syrup a problem? Yes and no. Um, uh, most of your grocery stores and your, and your really big stores um, handle Quebec syrup because they're such a larger scale than we are, so their processors are able to fill those truckload orders uh, when a grocery store calls up and says we need a couple truckloads of a certain size. Ontario doesn't have that type of infrastructure. Local producers can't meet those needs when a, a grocery store calls up and says we need a truckload. Um, we just can't. We're not to that scale yet. And are you packaging all of your own product or does it go to a, a distributor in bulk who then packages and sells it to the retail market? No, so far I've been able to um, being able to find markets for my own maple syrup. So I package everything that I produce here on my farm. And then what kind of regulations are there? Are you under CFIA guidelines? Uh, no, um, I actually fall under OMAFRA guidelines. Uh, OMAFRA looks after the sugar house and maple syrup production in Ontario. So those are the guidelines that we fall underneath. Okay, but you would have certain food safety protocols that are monitored and that you have to meet. Yeah, and that's uh, through the OMSPA organization, we've actually produced uh, a best management a handbook for producers to follow as a guideline. And, and it's sort of a, a self-regulated checklist of how to improve your sugar house on things that you should do and, and shouldn't do anymore. Right. And then how is the work that that organization does funded? It's all through our, our membership. 
we do get some, a little bit of uh, funding through OMAFRA, and sometimes depending on what uh, projects that we're working on, uh, sometimes we can t- fall underneath like a, a grow, growing forward to grant or something like that, depending on what we're working on. Has your family always done this? Did you grow up as a kid in the sugar bush? Yeah, as, as long as I can remember, when you started little, you were the guy on the tractor to pull the wagon head all the time. And then as you got older, you got, I don't know if it's a promotion or demotion to carrying buckets of sap to the trailer. So I'm not sure which way it worked, but that's how it worked. So yeah, I've been doing it as long as I can ever remember. Lots of changes over the years that you've seen? Just in the last couple of years, as far as our operation here with the pipeline, using a reverse osmosis in the sugar house to help remove water, which is a huge energy saving. Tell us how that works, Kevin. Explain the, just the, the basic principle of it. The basic principle, it's, it's a filter and it's a pump. Uh, and basically you filter out the excess water. You take out about two-thirds of the water. The water that's left or the sap that's left contains the sugar and the minerals, and that's what ends up going through the evaporator. Most producers, once you get to a certain scale, the benefits of, of doing that is, is huge. Otherwise, you're burning a lot of fossil fuels or wood to uh, process that sap. Right. So instead of boiling down from 40 to 1, you would now be reducing that number something like 20 to 1, maybe. Even less than that. I think we're sitting at about 15 to 1 now. So like lots of other parts of agriculture, technological advancement has made the process more efficient and allowed us to produce the same product using less resources. Yes, that's what uh, that equipment does. And I don't think a lot of people maybe would realize that maple syrup has become so high-tech. In some ways it's high-tech, but it's just becoming more efficient with the tools that we're, we're given to work with. Right, which is, which is exactly what we need to be doing in agriculture these days. So if I was to come for Maple Weekend, what can I expect? At our operation here, we're going to... The sugar house or the facilities where we process the, the sap will be all open to the public. They'll see how we process the sap and turn it into maple syrup. Uh, we'll also be doing uh, a pancakes and a sausage. I've got a, my 4-H group. I lead a 4-H maple syrup club. The kids will be here that day. We'll have tables set up, and they'll be explaining what uh, what spiles are, sugar content. They'll do it, be explaining all the information about maple syrup. And then we've got a wagon that's going to be taking people back to the woodlot so they can take a look how actually the sap gets out of the trees. Kevin, you had me at pancakes and sausage. <laughs> it, it usually does with most people. Kevin, I, I imagine you cook with maple syrup. My wife and I were actually joking when the last time we bought a, a package of white sugar was. We, yeah, we it's our, our, it's our sugar source. We, we cook with it. We use it anywhere we need sweeteners. It's maple syrup is what we use because we have it on hand. Kevin, if you go to give blood, do they get do they get blood out, or does it come out as a, a sugary, sticky substance? This time of year, after all the sampling I do while I'm processing, it might be might be a little sticky here. That sounds legit. I'm, I'm sure they've got a need for that as well. <laughs> okay, what are some ways that people might not have thought about to use maple syrup? Well, anywhere you use a, a sweetener, um, you can use maple syrup. Again, you can cook with it. I know we've got some people here that make salad dressing with it. They use some of the lighter grades. It, it comes, it's easy to us because that's what we, we've always used, right? It's our sweetening source, and there's more and more people are, 
are starting to do that because they want to know where their sugar comes from and they want to support local production. And so if I wanted to make alcohol out of maple syrup, I could probably do that. Yeah, there's there's some breweries that are making a maple beer. Um, I know some distillers, some local small ones are actually uh, blending it with, with what they produce. Yeah, it, it, it's it's endless. It's just we all like everybody enjoying it on their pancakes, but there's so many more uses for maple syrup. Have you had visitors to your farm from other countries? Yeah, it's uh, it's surprising. Um, I know we get some exchange students that have been working on local farms. I remember a guy a couple years ago, he was from Switzerland. He followed me around the forest with a camera for about a half hour, hour, and he was just amazed that the stuff, you drill a hole and the stuff comes out of the tree and you cook it and you got maple syrup. He just, he couldn't understand how simple it was. And we take it for granted here. It does seem like magic. Well, it is. And us local producers, once you uh, get the taste of it, we call it the sugars. It's, it's addictive after a while. Yeah, I can attest to that. Now, I have seen that there is syrup that can be made from other trees as well. Are you a maple syrup purist or would you ever try something called birch syrup? Uh, there's a local producer not far from here who's, who's doing birch syrup. I'm going to consider myself a purist. For maple syrup, birch has its own unique taste and cooking styles to it. Yeah, and then there's other people. There's actually some people who are tapping some black walnuts and, and creating uh, a little bit of uh, syrup from those trees, but nothing on a commercial scale with the black walnuts yet. Right. Once somebody has an idea, there isn't really much that can't be done. No, there isn't. If somebody wanted information on the event that you're having this weekend, where would they go to find that? The easiest way is that we've got a good web page there. It's uh, mapleweekend.ca. That'll take you to the provincial website. And then it's just a matter of uh, picking your, uh, it'll show a map of Ontario and there's a maple leaf where every sugar producer is having an open house. So then you just click to the area which is near to you. And then uh, we sort of recommend to people don't just check out one sugar house. I know there's a couple fellows not far from myself here and you go check out their operations as well to, to see how everybody does, how they produce maple syrup. So I could hop from one sugar bush to another and have pancakes and bacon at both oh that's that's what i said is i've been telling people i said go check out all the other 60 producers and then come to my place and you can enjoy the best stuff at, at the end excellent if somebody wanted to try maple syrup at home with a few trees any advice for them go for it uh that's how uh, a lot of producers get started is doing it a hobby scale then they get the sugars and then they're they're looking for forests and, and tapping more trees but just don't burn the drive shed down. Well, that's part of the ritual of becoming a, a sugar producer is, is playing with fire a little bit. So, How much uh, wood do you go through in a typical season? Any idea? Oh, I haven't kept track. I know in our operation here we can make about 300 liters of syrup with about a bush quart of firewood. So it, it takes a little bit of wood. And that all comes out of your own bush? Yep, that's part of the forest management. That's uh, a great way to utilize that resource. So this weekend coming up, April 1st and 2nd, be sure to catch your local sugar bush for the Maple Weekend. Kevin, if people want to connect with you on social media, where will they find you? Uh, we've got a Facebook page with Snyder Heritage Farms. I'm also on Twitter too. There's many different ways we can, you can find out about us and uh, go from there. And the most interesting time of year for you on social media is probably early in the spring. Yep, that's where we'll keep the busiest.
Thanks for taking the time, Kevin. I know you got a really busy schedule right now. Appreciate you joining us. We learned some things about maple syrup that we didn't know before. Yeah, it might work out for you guys to show up on the weekend, see what's going on. Yeah, we might we might do that. I did hear something Sorry. about pancakes and sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, this has been the Ontario AgCast. Thank you for listening. Please go back to Twitter. Give us a retweet. Give us a rating on iTunes. It helps us grow the audience. If this is the last podcast we ever do, it's been fun. If not, we'll see you next time.